Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back for the fifth week of Lent, for the week of March 18th, 2018. And I'm excited to welcome you back, or if this is your first time, welcome. This is a podcast where we talk about the upcoming readings for the ELCA and kind of discuss them from a science perspective as something to possibly be able to be used as a leader in the church. And I'm super excited to have you back. I really am. And this week, I think it's going to be, it's an exciting week. And I think it's a kind of a good week to kind of reflect on what we've been going through in this time of Lent. But before we get into that, I want to do my few plugs. One, I want to plug, again, Working Preacher. Working Preacher, since I'm not an ordained minister, gives me a lot of direction to be able to give me some ideas on where to go and where to find some different content for you guys and gals out there to be able to provide this uh, podcast. And, and I would definitely recommend if you haven't checked them out yet, it's definitely worth it. There's some really, really awesome podcasts on there to kind of give you some different ideas on different ways of looking at the scripture text, along with a lot of other great content like commentaries and discussions and different things of that nature. And so if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I highly recommend it. The second thing, and I keep plugging this because I'm super excited and I don't know exact dates because I'm waiting on things that are outside of my control, but there are a couple different things that I have in the pipeline right now to hopefully make this an easier to share and work with podcast and Hopefully not too far after that. There's a couple things I'm working on to try to make it so that we can have more of an engaged conversation back and forth. Uh, and that's one of the things that I've been really wanting with this is really to build a community, build this type of interaction as we get into and dig into and talk about these texts and talk about faith and science together. So I'm really excited about where we could possibly go with this and where some of the things hopefully I will be enjoyed by you guys. I'm really excited about them. Uh, and so they'll be coming out hopefully here in the next coming few weeks that we'll start leaking some of this information. So I'm really excited to share that with you. But as we get into this fifth Sunday of Lent, we have a gospel text out of John, which is John 12, 20 through 33, which is kind of a drastic change. And it actually took me quite a bit of time to really process this gospel text. And it's where we have kind of Jesus really kind of speaking metaphorically, but not really, uh, kind of about his death. And it's this transition of, you know, how his death and what does that mean for us afterwards. So we'll get into that a little bit. We have a first reading, our Old Testament reading from Jeremiah chapter 31, 31 through 34. And it's one of these with one of these last weeks of these covenant promises that we have been getting out of the Old Testament most weeks. It's also one of these things where it's one of the few few positive things that really come out of out of Jeremiah that this that God's going to provide for them, that he is there, he has not forgotten them, and that these times these times are going to pass this type of thing that we kind of get semi continually through the old testament but these times are going to pass that the lord is with them that he's going to provide the psalm this week is actually something that should be fairly familiar if you were at an ash wednesday service it's psalm 51 verses 1 through 12 which we get the the nice verse of creating me a clean heart O god and put a right spirit within me verse 10 so this very stirring 
one where you're really a repentant psalm, I would really put it as. And it's this great kind of reflection being now on toward the other side of Lent. And it's kind of a nice place to have it. I hope that the Lenten goals that you guys set at the beginning, Lenten goals or things that you wanted to achieve have been going well. Uh, it's something that I've actually been really enjoying sitting down with my mother and working through a devotion and doing some prayer together. It's been actually really encouraging. So the second thing, this New Testament reading, our second reading is from Hebrews chapter 5 verses 5 through 10. And again, it's this kind of talking about Jesus post-resurrection and what that kind of means. And, and it's a little bit different just based off that we aren't in Hebrews a ton, but kind of gets again this message across of Christ, you know, stepping into the situation and how th- he how he learned from obedience through his what he suffered having uh having been made perfect he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him that's verses 8 and 9 it's the same idea the same theme that we've been running on and it's it's such a change from what we've been covering the last few weeks, it actually kind of took me a little, like I stated, a lot of time to really kind of process how are we going to take this. And I I look back and kind of where, what have we covered in Lent? And if I go back to what we've covered in Lent, we talked about the, with the temptation, we talked about coniferous plants uh, and how that kind of, how it can, how it lures stuff in and how, how those work. We've talked about nature actually quite a bit. We've talked about it in space. We've talked about light. We've talked about respecting nature and different things. And I'm kind of going to go back toward that a little bit here in this podcast based on the aspect of, again, we know being on this side of the cross and the resurrection what how this story ends up. And, we, and we're mentally kind of preparing for that as we're going into Lent. And we... We have these, these verses here from John. My soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me in this hour? No, it is, it is this reason that I have come to this hour. Weird verses, and that's verses 27, just the 27th verse here. And these very, I would almost say, not cryptic, but just weird phrasing of, you know, one of his better ways, I guess, of putting a parable and really gets you to think very truly. I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies and remains a single grain, but if it dies and it bears fruit, those who love their loss will lose it and gets into these, but those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. For me, how I look at this is, again, we're talking about the resurrection and and talking about the obedience that we have toward Christ. But if we dig into this text a little bit further, one of the first things that gets brought up in verse 20 is that there are Greeks wanting to see Jesus. And they are going through Philip and Andrew to talk to Jesus. Which, one, you could t- make a reference back even a f- little bit further to the kind of the beginning of this year where the calling of the disciples. Philip was called. And so it's one of these, again, kind of John tying in some of the stuff he brought in earlier with calling the disciples. But also we have, you know, this kind of 
we would like to see Jesus, a kind of like this come and follow me type of idea coming through. Also, the key thing being Greeks. Greeks could easily be interpreted from what I've definitely heard multiple times with the podcast as the world, as the uh, Sermon Brainways podcast, as the world. That they're they're the outsiders. They're the people who are not considered the quote-unquote chosen people. So as I kind of was thinking about pondering that, thinking about kind of what where we've covered and what we've gone through, I wanted to kind of get into animals that have kind of disappeared. Animals have gone extinct or animals that are on the edge of extinction. Uh, and it, and for me, it's, it's kind of a, it's a subject that's not exactly a, a highlight that people want to talk about, but it's also talks about the power of what we can do in this case, negative, if we don't realize what's going on around us. So like an example, we, you know, People know about the dodo bird. The dodo bird was a bird uh, that was a flightless bird. Became really easy prey as white Caucasians came into the area. They pretty much slaughtered them. I mean, they were they were sitting ducks, quite literally, and, and were quickly gone. Another one, if you look back 150 years ago, was the passenger pigeon passenger pigeon could pass through an area in migration and for days just take up the sky hundreds of millions of birds and you can read plenty of these these super cool passages talking about how many of the birds were and how they would have these pigeon hunts and in the 1920s we lost their last one in a zoo based on the fact that we didn't have good conservation efforts and actually in this case did our conservation efforts a little bit too late one of the final ones that i want to bring up that has passed away is the tasmanian tiger which i think is just a super super cool animal in and of itself and that just based on the fact that it has a pouch so it's like a kangaroo it's a marsupial uh so raise its young uh in its in a pouch on its stomach uh, and had stripes kind of like a tiger. And, but again, it was, it went extinct based off of the aspect of hunting in this case. And, and I can attach some links below. There's even speculations on what species are going to go extinct in 2018 here. And as a scientist, as someone who's, you know, stays in touch with this community, Every year, uh, you, you see the statistics on how fast they figure that we're having these animals disappear, ha- having things disappear. We're having, okay, which animals did we lose this year? How many species possibly went extinct this year that we haven't even, quote unquote, discovered yet? And, you know, it's kind of sad even looking at this one list that I found here, and I'll, I'll, and I'll see if I can find some more, but... Tigers, and it's showing the population, uh, a species of antelope in Africa, the orangutans, which to me, that's kind of, for me, a really big pet peeve that orangutans are having issues uh, from a conservation standpoint. If you want to look at it genetically, it's our closest our closest relative that we have genetically, closer than chimpanzees. And so essentially that we're hunting and killing orangutans to me is like you're hunting and killing your cousin. And to me, it's, it's very insulting that we're actually doing that. 
uh, blue whales are on the list, Indian elephants, Asian elephants. So these animals that we actually look at as something that we really, we don't want to lose. They're kind of icons. So when I when you think of tigers, I honestly immediately think of the Jungle Book. And and what, you know, we, do we really want to lose the, one of the main characters in the Jungle Book? Orangutans are, again, another main character in the Jungle Book. But you're probably asking by this point, Tyler, how does this have to do it at all with this John text? And the reason I say this is one of the things that has been brought up in the science community is especially with like mammoths. Should we bring back mammoths? Based on the stuff that we have with DNA, we have the ability to, if we have some genetic coding, we can take a nearby relative and inject uh, an egg that hasn't been fertilized with that DNA so that that becomes the DNA and you get probably as close as we're going to get uh, to bringing them back. Now, Again, with that, if you if you followed the science community before, it's one of the these terms that gets thrown around as a bottleneck species, or AKA that a species is coming back from a very small population. And the reason that you have problems with that is that if you have some type of flu or virus or some type of bacteria or something that could kill off the population, you don't have a, a lot of genetic diversity. You don't have a lot of different types uh, to be able to defend off that type of ailment. So think of it in the aspect of like if you're going to the grocery store, if you don't like Heinz ketchup and your grocery store only sells Heinz ketchup, it makes it really difficult to find an alternative. Whereas if you go to a supermarket that has 12 different types of ketchup, you now can be a little bit more selective. So if you're bringing a population back that has one genetic code or a very small number of genetic codes, there isn't, hasn't been the time that we need for genetic mutations and different things to come up with different genetic coding to be able to help the population survive well. But it's something that is being thrown around. Should we bring back some of these different animals and different things that have been, that haven't, that died off, that didn't make it for whatever reason at one point or another, and should we bring them back? And it gets into a very interesting discussion, again, at the not even just the bottleneck, but what type of effects is it going to have to the other species around? Is it going to be able to actually do it? How much time and research are we going to have to put into this? And it gets into a very interesting debate. And it's something that's being highly considered because we have rhinos that are on the edge of extinction and tigers and all these different things that are whoa, maybe we need to do something and maybe we're just a little late to the party and should we, can we do this? Kind of like a bailout clause. And it's amazing as, as humans, as we're, as we're thinking about this and going through this and, and grappling with this type of decision, it, it again comes back around to this idea of we don't like the idea of death. Death is the end. Death is, again, as a Christian, we don't see it that way, but it's also this, this idea point of we don't understand what happens next and as we've seen you know 
with Jesus multiple times, but here, especially in John, at, if with this text, he's even taking it a step further and, and is essentially talking about his resurrection and how he's going to be, you know, glorified and lifted, you know, from, you know, having a voice from heaven coming, I have glorified it, I will glorify it again. Again, as the people being there at that moment when Christ is talking about this would have seemed, one, absolutely nuts. Like, what the hell? What the heck is this guy talking about? It would have, I could have totally seen how people just thought, you know, that there was, he wasn't entirely there. That what is he talking about? This is very cryptic type of stuff. But he is talking about and purely discussing and letting people know in Jesus' way that I'm going to die and I'm going to be lifted up. And, and in this case, he doesn't need anyone other than God to help him. He doesn't need us in our science and our DNA and injecting it into unfertilized eggs to, you know, put in new uh, genetic DNA so that we can bring back a species. No, he's just going to do it himself and that he is going to do this. And I, and and again, part of the reason I bring this up is Jesus is letting him, letting us know in a way that this is going to happen and it, and it's going to be scary. It's going to, it's going to hurt, but it's going to be okay. The thing to me is, is we have so many species of animals that we know are doing okay. They don't have a voice to say it. And animals are not like Christ in the aspect that when they pass away, they pass away. And and it's one of these things, too, where I, I just from being out in the woods and being out with these time, with, with seeing these different things, there's a lot of things that we can learn from them. Passenger pigeons, I would have loved to seen 10,000 birds flying through the air, almost blacking out the sun. I would have loved to see that, but I also would love to have seen and understood what can they teach me. Because again, as 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 these the Greeks or in this case the world is kind of trying to come and see Jesus, I think that times again we we assume the world means just people, and as we've talked about, that isn't the truth. It's God so loved the world; He made this place. We're leasing it. <laughs> we have no ownership. There's no way we can ever pay it back. We need to take care of this place. We have to respect the rules and, and respect the place, you know, respect things around us. And with that, I, I think it's it's something they really contemplate, really think about is what what are we doing and how can we help with that? What can we do? What can we think about? What decisions are we making? that are impacting this. And again, as we're closing out kind of toward this last week of traditional Lent, we have Palm Sunday next Sunday, and then we go into uh, Good Friday and Monday, Thursday and Holy Week. It's kind of one of these last full weeks where we can really reflect on what's going on. Where are we at? And again, it's it's the perfect time to go back to the the psalm that we had on Ash Wednesday of creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and laying down, you know, the different things that we're doing. And and it, as Christ is preparing for His crucifixion and for us knowing He's going to resurrect, and now as we're on the other side of that resurrection, waiting for the second coming, how well have we prepared? How well have we? contemplated, thought about, and and made sure that the place is the way that God wanted it to be? How would he say that we're doing? And, and this is not even just a question for 
each of us individually, but each of us as a as a community, as a as a church, as a world. How well are we taking care of this place? Are we making sure that we're not killing it for future people to come? And I think that's and that's a hard thing. And, and and the next step then out of that is what can you do? And that's partially for me why I would also say that's why it's so important for us to get out and spend some time out there. Appreciate you know, wherever you are, be it the rocks of Arizona and seeing the the cool, quote unquote, cool temperatures that you have compared to a few months later from now. And the and the beautiful iron ore and the beautiful just minerals that you have in the rocks down there compared to here in Minnesota and Wisconsin of the snow covered forest that's as we're watching them melt. I took a picture the other day of uh icicle. And just how cool it looked. Just having, it wasn't melting the way I typically seen them melt. It had kind of this rippled effect. These things that I will not be able to see in four months. It'll be too warm. I'm not going to have icicles outside my, my window. Taking advantage of these times, these places, what we're seeing, what we're experiencing, and trying to un- help us understand that this isn't just our world. It's God's world. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Let me understand that this is not just mine to behold. It's mine to share. But that also that if Christ was able to die for us and was able to go through all this and with the ability and the beautiful thing that God was able to help him out, that he also made this beautiful place for us and that we have to learn to appreciate and understand and acknowledge the beauty of this place that we've been given every species every tree every plant every animal that we need to take responsibility we have a call we have a a duty to do and that is to respect the place that we are being given and to appreciate it to thank god for it so i'll attach some links down below with some different animals and some different things that we can just think about and contemplate with this But again, I want to thank you for tuning in, and I want to just close it by the way we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.